You're listening to The Knicks Recap. Your source for all New York Knicks-related content. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of The Knicks Recap. Your source for all New York Knicks-related content. I'm your host, Troy, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you stay updated with all of our latest episodes. Today, we have a very special guest joining us, award-winning sports anchor. You can find him talking sports on SNY or with the New York Post as well. He's also on, because he wears a lot of hats, you know, he's also on WFAN Radio and CBS Radio, and basically, he's everywhere that the Knicks are in some type of speaking or sports talk right now. My man, Dexter Henry. What's going on, Dex? How you doing today, man? Thanks for joining the show. I'm good, man. Troy, thanks for having me, man. It's an honor to be here. I love your setup. You got the dope Knicks background going on, <laughs> repping with the fitted or snapback, whatever you got there yes, going man. on. I like it, man. Good. I like I like the blue and orange. I like it. <laughs> well, listen, man, it's a, I don't, I, I hesitate to say orange and blue skies. But it's been orange and blue nights for me because I've been watching the sky and the Empire State Building has been lighting up uh, orange and blue lately. So I'm thinking that means it's because the Knicks are doing pretty damn well. And the one way I can say that, Dex, is because Mm -hmm. it is May 3rd, excuse me, May 4th (laughs) as this airs. And we are talking about New York Knicks basketball. When's the last time you were able to do that? 10 years ago? <laughs> yeah, 10 years ago, man. It's 10 years ago. You look at that 2012, 2013 team. It's been a while. And I, I know, like, I've been saying this to a couple of people. You could feel the energy is different in the city. You know, it's one thing at this time of the year, spring, if there's no Knicks or the Rangers aren't good, you know, the Mets and Yankees kind of take over. But right now, uh, Rangers are gone. They got knocked out the other night. It is completely Knicks fever. I was at game two last night. Um, you know, the energy just on from getting off the train to walking up to the garden, just right, you know, and I and I, I went as I went just to watch the game. I wasn't working. So you know, it's nice when I kind of get to just sit back and watch. And man, the energy is good, man. I haven't felt it like here in a long time. But I think the difference, some people will say, Well, th- did it not feel good in 2021? Right. The difference is, you know, this year I think that the fans feel more connected to this team. I think this team is more of the identity, uh, the hardworking style. It reminds me of some of the teams when I was growing up watching the Knicks in the early '90s. So, yeah, you can feel the energy, man, and it's just it's just really good around the city. And like you said, Troy, we haven't felt this in quite some time. Like we have, it's been a while since we felt this around here. And you know, it's funny that I can see the garden floor shake. As mm-hmm. all of the fans are just hype and invested, keyword there is invested into what this team is doing. They seem so locked in to the play going on from call to call. If you thought you saw what happened in the regular season and thought, oh, that's the Knicks, and then you watch what they are come this postseason, the difference is clear cut. It's amazing to see the shift, not only from the way they play, which seems to get more physical, but the fan base has just latched on to, like you said, and they have no vision right now of letting go. They want to stay on this train for as long as possible. The Knicks and Heat are tied. One, 
one. They're headed back to South Beach right now. They play their next game on May uh, on May 6th, which is Saturday. It's an afternoon game, which I believe is around three. And nobody thought that we would be here. So what are your thoughts on the series thus far with the Heat? Yeah, it's you know, it's funny. After two games, it's kind of a hard series to judge because you look at the first game and the Knicks didn't have Julius Randle, and I don't think the Knicks played their best game there. I still think the Knicks haven't really played a great offensive game thus far in the playoffs, which is amazing considering they beat the Cavs in five, and now they're tied with the Heat. So I don't think they've played an amazing offensive game. Then you go to game two, Jimmy Butler's not there. He's not hurt. The Heat have a valiant effort uh, despite having any stars. No Butler, no hero. They play tough. It's tense moments for the Knicks. That building, the Knicks fans were anxious last night. I can definitely tell you that uh, until the closing minutes, but they find a way to win. But if you're on the Knicks side of it, you're like, hey, we got Randall back in game two. If you're a Knicks fan, uh, Randall looked pretty good uh, from the field, 8 of 18. Jalen Brunson, after struggling in the first half, he scores 23 of his 30 in the second half. So I think if you're looking at it from the Knicks side here, okay, the Heat will probably have Jimmy Butler back in game three. That'll be more of a challenge. But if you're a Knicks fan, you're like, look, if Randall and Brunson, they have three days of rest coming from Tuesday till Saturday, that should bode well for them. And the Knicks still haven't played a good offensive game. The bench hasn't played well for the Knicks yet in this series. And they're tied at one. In a way, you could say they're fortunate to not be down 0-2. And I do think that's fair. But listen, in the playoffs, you win how you can. They got a split. Now what the Knicks have to do is at least get a split in Miami, regain home court advantage, and come back for game five and hopefully uh, can start cooking from there. I think that – and you make, you make a good point, actually. I think that with this Knicks team – we saw a fight back that I feel like in past years we would kind of give up and collapse and say, oh, there's no way. Uh, you know, same old Knicks were behind. But it doesn't feel that way with this team. When they're down, we rally for them, not because we want it. We actually believe that they're going to make that next stride and take us to where another previous team may have not taken us. And one big cog to that is Jalen Brunson. Like yep. you said, 23 points in the second half of yesterday's game against the Heat. One, uh, He's not had the greatest performance against the Heat. I do think it's due to lockdown defense. Kyle Lowry, for whatever you want to say, has been defending him nonstop when he's in the game. He's on him, and there's no letting go. If we want to talk about defense, I think that's part of it. But it's also part of Brunson getting comfortable with these new do different doubles that he's being thrown at. When he goes in the paint, he's automatically seeing some contact. The bigger defenders as well, too. So it's not as easy for him to get into his groove. What did you see from Jalen Brunson last night that you thought worked and made a difference for helping him carry this Knicks team to the next uh, step in this uh, playoff series? Yeah, you know, I, there was a lot of talk about him gutting it out in game two, right? And, and you could see, uh, you know, I was watching the game and uh, my best friend, Shout out to my best friend, Anthony Slater, who uh, got me some tickets for my birthday to go to the game. So shout out to him. But we uh, we were talking with each other. We could see Brunson just didn't look right um, in the first half. And, he, you know, he gutted it through. But I think the key was one for him and also the Knicks in the second half of game two was Spolster through the zone at them. They're playing the 2-3 zone. They were sitting in it. Brunson started attacking the middle of the zone more. So did Randall and so did Hart. I thought that was key. But specifically for Brunson, he was attacking the middle of the zone or he was getting rid of the ball a lot quicker to allow the other two guys I just mentioned, Randall and Hart, to attack it. When you when a team is playing zone, you want to attack the middle so you can get the ball outside and get it to your shooters. 
and the Knicks were willing and did that. The Knicks are a very good team at getting downhill. The Heat know that. They had a very good game plan. They tried to limit that and force the Knicks to being in shooters, just jacking shots from the outside, which is what they did in the first half. But Brunson, I think, really steadied the team. As you know, Troy, he's been doing this all year. He steadied the team. He said, okay, we see the zone. This is how we're going to work it. And, you know, credit the Knicks because they made the adjustments in the second half. But I think he really was a steadying presence and also his ability to hit shots from the outside. Six of ten from three uh, in game two. That was huge after being 0 of 7 in game one. So that was a huge, huge point for him. But I think really it was his confidence. Once he started getting inside a little bit, getting past this other people, he hit a couple of his runners and had a couple layups because he wasn't really finishing the way we had seen him in the yeah. first half. I think that was key. And you can see with this team, you talked about their resiliency, Troy. Anytime when Brunson seems to get into that gear to lift them up, you really you really see that. And, um, you know, he's been – He's been a tremendous signing. I, I've, I've said this to somebody the other day. I've watched the Knicks, you know, I'm a Knicks fan since I was seven years old. And I can't remember uh, a player for the Knicks that gives me a very a, a calm the way he does. When I watch him, you feel like it's going to be okay. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a Yankees fan. I didn't grow up a Yankees fan. But he has a very sort of Jeter-like quality to him, a Rivera-like quality that – this is going to work out. There's something about Jalen Brunson. And it shows you, even, even if he has a bad half, you think he's going to work out in the second half. He doesn't have too many bad second halves. But even if he has a bad first half, you think it's going to work out in the other half. And I think the key was, you know, taking care of the ball, getting to the middle of the, getting to the middle of that zone and being able to attack it. And that really set the tone for the Knicks in the second half. You know, there was an interview that was released yesterday, I think, when he was having pizza with Josh Hart at the uh, at the yeah. post interview. They're brothers, man. I love those guys together. I think he said that um, he was kind of into his own head a little bit, and he kind of said, let's just go hoop. And when he just made it about basketball, he seemed to unlock a little bit more of what we've seen from him. Like, to your point, when Jalen Brunson, as soon as Jalen Brunson touched the ball in New York, things felt different. It yeah. just felt different. Once he's started gaining that attention and then breaking down defenses, the legendary footwork already. I mean, he's up there with the most 20 point game scored by a Nick in a playoff series. And this is his first playoff series, seven <laughs> playoff games of 20 plus points. He's already on the list for all time. Greats. Uh, Jalen Brunson is a key factor to why the Knicks are in it. To your point, they haven't even thrown their best shot yet. Right. Yeah. Jalen Brunson is where he is. Julius Randle just came back. R.J. Barrett is, you know, finally doing the things that we expected him to do. But if somebody were to tell me before the playoffs began that we would be missing in action, our, you know, six man of the year and Emmanuel quickly to tell me that Quentin Grimes wouldn't get that many shots. And when he did make shots, he wasn't going to make a lot of them. And you're basically telling me we're limited on our stretch threes. We're limited on people who can push the pace. And then on the bench, we don't even have anybody coming off the bench anymore. Could you switch uh, Grimes and, uh, and Hart? So, mm -hmm. so now we're more limited on the bench, but we're finding a way to win. So it, it's, it's very interesting with this team how fans have gotten behind it because it is about the youth more so than it was about the veterans a couple of years ago. And I think that's why the fans are so invested in this, Dexter. So great points like you made. But I think for me, the biggest, and maybe you could check me if I'm wrong, the biggest mm -hmm. difference between the, the team two years ago and the team today is that we're doing it off the backs of the young guys, something that the, the fan base has been clamoring for for the basically the last two, three years. Would you no, agree? I, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a huge part of why the fan base is excited. I really do. Um, you know, I think a couple years ago you were just seeing, you know, quickly was a, a, a top of rookies mm-hmm. and, you know, they were playing in their first playoff action and it was exciting. I think the fan, you know, I think New York fans in general and all across all sports is very smart, but particularly with the Knicks fan base, I think it was nice to see the homegrown development and kudos to the front office, which we have to do because they've stuck patient with it. And you're starting to see the fruits of that this year. Um, you know, I've, I've said this on other places I've gone on. I was a, I wasn't anti the Donovan Mitchell trade. I was just anti the Mitchell trade at the price that was being asked. Um, and I think it's shown to be right with the Knicks and they're headed in the right direction. Uh, with what they did, they didn't have to mortgage too much of the future. Uh, I still think the Knicks need a, a, a top not star uh, to go along with Brunson and Randall that I think could work. But, you know, that's another topic for another day. I do think there's a lot of juice because of the young guys. I do think Tom Thibodeau deserves credit because a lot of people said that he didn't play the young guys. It was a narrative I never really bought into. I think if you looked at what he did in Chicago, he played young guys. Uh, People weren't really looking at it. I always think that became more of a he doesn't play Obi Toppin thing. But he played quickly his first year. He's loved Grimes from the end of the previous season to this. And Grimes has gotten major minutes. We've seen that. He hadn't been afraid to use Deuce McBride uh, when we needed to see it. RJ's obviously another younger guy. There's young guys. This is a team the fans have grown with. They love and they have that identity. That's the thing I think here about Knicks fans. It's this where I say it's giving me the feeling of like when I grew up, what the teams I fell in love with, with Starks and Ewan and Oakley. Those teams didn't win, but they have a very special place in my heart. And I think for a lot of Knicks fans, because they played hard. And that's what people love, that they played hard. And you're seeing this with this team. Last night's a perfect example. Game two, perfect example. They did not play their best offensive game, like I said. But they played hard, right, Troy? They played hard. They gutted out. They found a way to win. New York fans love that. And it's with their guys, guys that they've seen come up, to your point. So I definitely think that's a huge part of it. I definitely think that matters. And, you know, I think it's something Knicks fans should be excited about. It's nice when you see young guys grow up in front of you and, now they're getting playoff experience and playing in big games in front of MSG and the garden is shaking and everything and all like that. I, it's it's definitely beautiful to see. And I think you're right. It's a huge part of why the fans have gotten behind this team and why they have so much energy and fervor for this team at these games. Not going to lie, the blue, the orange, feels a little bit different than it did last year. Feels a little <laughs> heavier, shoulders feeling a little good, smiles <laughs> on the face all day. Walking yeah. outside, just singing songs that I have no idea what I'm singing to. Just very <laughs> happy vibes. But then we come back a little bit to reality and we think about, even though he doesn't like to be referred to this, uh-huh. playoff Jimmy. Playoff Jimmy. Playoff Jimmy. Jimmy Buckets, probably, and it's not, it, it might be an argument, but for me, it's not. He's been the best playoff performer when healthy for the last few years. He's just been on another tier. He elevates his game in the playoffs. We've seen that. He did that in game one, I feel like. Uh, do you fear playoff Jimmy and what he does for this Heat team? Hell yeah, you should fear playoff Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy Butler Jimmy Butler's a player I have a ton of respect for, man. Um, that I'm, I'm a fan of somebody who's a fan of basketball. He's a competitor. He's yeah. tough. He's done a lot of stuff his way. Uh, he's a fantastic two-way player. Uh Jimmy Butler, I, I feel like the playoff Jimmy thing, I actually kind of – I understand why he hates it because I kind of hate it too because I think it disrespects how good he is all the time. Like Jimmy Butler's always 
pretty dope. I think the problem is that he, the last couple of seasons, particularly since the bubble, he's played not as many games. So people haven't seen as much as him in the regular season. You look at it, Jimmy Butler has his seasons, and this season's probably going to be like this, where he doesn't make an all-star team, but he's definitely going to make all-NBA. There's no doubt about it. He's going to make all-NBA because his numbers are that good. Look at his win shares for 48. I believe he's second in the league in that. Uh, Jimmy Butler is has been cold. It's just he have he'll have a lot of injuries or maybe not play this you know many games. You only see him in sixty out of eighty two games or whatever it may be. And I think that gets in play of people's minds. And then we see him in the playoff. He's a fantastic playoff performer. I guess the point I'm making is Jimmy Butler's always really good. He's always really scary. Yes, does it matter that he's performing more when the chips are down and the odds are more magnified and all that stuff? Yeah, and you know on this Heat team. You know, when you look at what he did against the Bucks, right, and when you raise uh, the level that he did, and, I, and I'm, I don't want to take any credit away from him or the Heat because I do think there was some bad coaching by Mike Budenholzer in that series. But I, I think that, you look, he willed that team. When you look at that 56-point performance he had in that series, I mean, that to me is the performance of the playoffs. You could talk about Curry's 50 in the Game 7 the other night, but that to me is the performance of the playoffs. And Jimmy's is good, man, and he's a good two-way player, and he's going to be fired up. Listen, if he plays on Saturday, he will have his those guys ready. Spolster is a great coach. He'll have those guys ready. I still think the Knicks have more talent. They're a the deeper team in the series. I picked them to win. Um, but, listen, those guys are not going down without a fight, and Jimmy Butler is real, and he's going to bring it. If he can play and that man steps on the floor, he's going to bring it. So, yeah, I fear playoff Jimmy. Because yeah. Knicks fans know, <laughs> long-time Knicks fans know, you know, all you need is a villain, you know, uh, Reggie Miller, a Michael Jordan, that kind of guy that wants to, uh, you know, cut the Knicks fans' heart out. And, uh, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy's of that cloth, you know. But but that's what makes series fun. This You, you want to go against a playoff Jimmy. You want to beat a playoff Jimmy if you're a Knicks fan. Um, you want to compete with the best on the court. So, you know, that's what makes basketball fun. And, yeah, Jimmy's the real thing. I just think Jimmy's – I'm just – playoff Jimmy's real, but Jimmy's dope all the time. Yeah. I, I think I, I – from a standpoint of understanding his brilliance, he's always good. People don't mm-hmm. see it a lot, but he's always good. The injuries have nothing to do with it as well too. Yeah. But I, I think he probably thinks of it disrespectfully because it's like, wait, you're saying that I have a different level that I play at when the playoffs come. And in his mind, he's, he's always yes. that player regardless. Like I'm always that guy. Right. Yeah. He's, that's his point. Right, I think I think that's what it is as well too. I, I think it's okay to acknowledge somebody playing good and then playing extraordinary. And I think there yeah. are levels. To, I think there are levels to it. He, again, that's why I say he may not acknowledge it. But if he was doing these type of things, like willing his team the Heat when he was playing to these type of levels, I don't even know what seed they could possibly be. Uh, you know, this time around, injuries hurt that a lot. You mentioned coaching. For me, coaching is probably the second biggest thing in this entire series. Coach Eric Spolstra, who's a legendary, you can make an argument for one of the top coaches right now in the game against Tom Thibodeau, uh, the Knicks head coach. Again, another respected veteran, well uh, coach as well, too. But there's always this, you know, who's going to do what first, right? With Spo, as you said, he makes adjustments very, very fast. He plays within the flow of the team. Sometimes he'll let the team call it, especially when Butler plays. He throws – Knicks and zone seem to go together hand in hand because it seems like anytime a team has an issue with the Knicks, they throw a zone. Go back to the Atlanta series. That's what they did primarily once they knew it worked. 
But yep. as you know, with zones, you got to be able to pass the ball around, get the open man and shoot out of it. That's how you break a zone, right? So while we understand that, we know Coach Spolcher is not going to let up. When you break one flow, he's going to create another for you to do. So how important and imperative do you think coaching is to the victory or loss of a team during this series? Oh, man. I mean, coaching, you, you can't do without the talent, right, Troy? But coaching means a lot in the playoffs. And the playoffs are a chess match in any series and every little flaw that you have a team is going to try to take advantage of it and everything is mag magnified excuse me in terms of the playoffs every possession matters and this is why when it comes to the playoffs the little things that, that determine things and determine outcomes excuse me when it comes to execution when you look at game one of this series the heat out executed the Knicks down the stretch in the final five to four minutes of that series the Knicks had good looks they had good shots. They just didn't execute, right? They also had things where they didn't take care of the ball. That's part of execution. They didn't hit free throws. Those are the little things I always say to people. That's what matters a lot in the basketball game, taking care of the ball. You know, are you going to play good enough defense? Can you force turnovers? Can you take, you know, as I said, take care of the ball, and then can you make shots? If you can do all those things, you'll have a good chance to win. Last night, the Knicks executed better, excuse me, in game two, the Knicks executed better in terms of that where – they took care of the little things down the stretch. They didn't turn over the ball. They got the offensive rebounds. They had the hustle points. Now, coaching matters in terms of, look, Spolstra without Jimmy Butler, I think had a fantastic game plan, as I said before, against the Knicks. He was trying to force them into taking a lot of threes. He had his guys take a lot of threes. and was like, look, we're going to try to outscore them. We're going to try to throw them off with his own defense, and they did because the Knicks haven't been able to make shots. And, look, you, you said it just now, too. Passing the ball, getting to the middle of the zone, getting it out, getting quality shots against the zone is fine. But the only way to break, break a zone is to shoot your way out of it. Get quality shots and you got to hit shots. You want to you wanna, uh, get those quality shots and then make them. If you make the shots, you'll be successful. If you don't, you won't. But I think the Knicks have to stick with what – you know, I think they'll see some zone thrown at them again from the heat. Wouldn't shock me in game three, especially if Butler's on the floor. Wouldn't shock me if Brunson gets blitzed a little bit more. We saw that in game yeah. two. Of the Cavaliers series, that was an adjustment that was made, but I think the Knicks will be ready for that one. And listen, they're going to do whatever they can to throw them off. Now, one thing I do think that's interesting, if the Heat play zone in game three a lot of it, and they have lost the rebounding battle two games in a row to the Knicks. And when you're in zone, it's harder to defensive rebound. And that's something where the Knicks have been able to clean up. Hartenstein was fantastic in game two on the boards. How much of that is – Spolster are going to want to give up. For the Heat, who during the regular season were a pretty good rebounding team, I believe they were fourth in the NBA defensive rebounding. So how much of that are they going to want to give up? These are the chess matches. These are the moves that matter. Tom Thibodeau has to be ready as a coach to adjust. I think the Knicks did some good adjustments in the second half, but I still think the Knicks have another level to go on offense in terms of execution. But a lot of it is the Knicks' offense hasn't been terrible as much as they just haven't hit shots especially right. on the outside, you know, and I think that's really the concern, but part of execution is finishing, right? You got to complete your rebounds. You got to make your shots. You got to take care of the ball. I think the complete good offensive game is coming for the Knicks. I have a feeling it's coming in game three or four. The Knicks usually play well down at MSG South down there in Miami. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I think, uh, I think the game's coming. It's look, if you're a Knicks fan, this thing I said, they haven't played their best offensive game and it's still tied at one, one, and they have a fantastic chance to still win this series. So you got you got to feel good that that's coming soon. But it's about time they do it. We got to start to see them break out a little offensively. I I definitely agree with that. I think that. 
for me personally, this is my opinion. I don't think that Tom Thibodeau won the coaching battle last night. No, I, if anything, yeah, I think, I think he was he was taken to school a little bit um, because a team that had basically undrafted rookies play not rookies but undrafted you know players in making up a starting lineup took it to you led most of the game and you had to essentially do everything in your power to grab it now it's a playoff game you take it for what it is you accept that victory of course you do but you have to look at it as well too where in this game i felt like it was more the players that willed us on despite the coaching when in other games like with the Cavaliers series i felt like we made the right proper adjustments and that help the players be in better positions to do what they needed to do. So I feel like we're seeing a little bit of, you know, uh, a dichotomy there with the no. coaching in this series than we did last series. Yeah, yeah. No, it's crazy because I I do think it's a good point. And I do think that Tibbs was – I don't want to say he was badly outcoached because I think that would be a little harsh, but there was a period of outcoaching. Like, I don't know how much his adjustment to attack the middle of the zone, which I felt came, came a little bit too late uh, that we saw from the mid-third quarter on. Um I don't know how much of that we put on him, um, how much of that is on the players. But I think, well, to your point, you would like to see more adjustments quick. So one of the things I still feel like the Knicks haven't done uh, enough in this series is when Kevin Love is on the floor, uh, attack him. I think try, try to hunt him a, a little bit more. I, I would like to see the Knicks be a little bit more aggressive in terms of, you know, they, they're hunting. You saw a little bit of that with Brunson last night in the second half. Uh, trying to hunt, you know, Vincent and, and Struce a little bit and, you know, try, try Duncan Robinson, excuse me, he's a person he really was targeting a lot. Duncan Robinson, when he was on the floor, uh, uh, Jalen Brunson was going after him, which, you know, Jalen Brunson's a very smart player, very cerebral, and he did that. You have to, you got to start with that early. I guess that's the thing that comes to coaching. They're starting Kevin Love. Attack him. How do you get him in pick and roll situations where you can attack him? He's not a good defender. Um, and how do you do that? And I think that's something you'd like to see a little bit better. Look, and and listen, or, or to your point too, Troy, can can the Knicks fans see, I think what you're saying is Knicks fans would like to see a, a strong game plan and identity of knowing what you want to do from the jump. You saw that from Spolstra last night with the Heat, exactly what they were trying to do, running guys off screens. They wanted to shoot a lot of threes. They were going to sit in the zone. It was a smart game plan considering what the Knicks personnel is. It was a very smart game plan. I have to I have to give credit. That almost worked. <laughs> let's be yeah. let's be clear. It almost worked for them. So, you know, you want to see that adjustment from Tibbs, but that's the game, that's the chess game. The coaching matters because now so what are you going to do next to counter that? We'll see in game three. Absolutely. And game three, as you mentioned, is on the road in South Beach. The Knicks, one of the best road teams in the league this year. Um, one of the best rebound team in the league this year as well, too. Third in uh, offensive rebound, eighth in defensive rebounds, and third in over and total uh, rebounds overall. Uh, they've been one of the best defensive teams in uh, the playoffs as well, too. I think they ranked highest in terms of defensive net rating, uh, right behind the Sixers. Uh, right, I think we just passed the Sixers, but Sixers might be right uh, behind us. Um, so the Knicks have a lot of things going in for them when they go into the Heat, like you said, MSG South, right? Essentially, that's what it is. We know what happens when we go to Miami. We hear all the cheers. It does feel kind of like a home game. The Knicks, I think, absolutely need to utilize this, utilize their calm and coolness that they've had on the road this year to take out teams. And, I mean, hell, they they closed the Cavaliers out in Cleveland to win yep. that series. Um, I see this series not going past six. I think the Knicks do win it in six. 
and they'll win it at Miami like they won it in Cleveland the other time around. But who knows? I wouldn't be mad in five. What do you expect from this Knicks team going to South Beach and given their you know history this season in regards to being such a clutch road team? Yeah, it's funny. It might- I actually picked the Knicks to win at five. Uh, some people call me crazy, but I actually picked them to win at five here. Well, they got they got to win three more straight to, for that to happen. We'll see. But in terms of going to South Beach, I I, I said this I said this before the series, and I also you know it's funny. I had a uh, Greg Sylvander from uh, Five on the Floor podcast who does a great job covering the Heat. I had him on the other day, and he was talking about how he felt that you know even somebody who roots for Miami and covers the Heat, he said, look, I think it's a factor when the Knicks come down to MSG South and there's so many fans in the building, that is a huge factor. I think it gives the Knicks a level of comfortability when they get there. You've seen the history over the years. The Knicks have won even game ones there on the road before. Obviously this is this team and what matters now, but I have this feeling the Knicks are going to come out very businesslike on Saturday. Want to take care of some business and see what they can do. So I think they're going to be comfortable. This has been a good road team all, all year long. I think you make a great point about the way they closed out the series in Cleveland. A lot of people didn't think they were going to close it out in game five. I was one of those people. I was shocked that they did that, but I was very impressed with how they came out there. And I think this has a lot to do with something we were talking about at the top, Troy, the leadership of, of Randall, excuse me, excuse me, of Brunson and Randall. I think they're going to have the attitude of coming out, knowing what needs to be get done. They got to get at least a game to get the home court advantage back. If not, Knicks fans would love to. Uh, to have a controlling, commanding lead. But, yeah, I, I think they will play well. I do not think both games will be easy. I do not think they will roll over the Heat because I have a lot of respect for the Heat and what they do. But I think, you know, they will come out very focused on the road. And I think it bodes well. They've been a good road team. It's not the kind of game or arena you go into on Saturday where the crowd is hostile because they arrived late to the game in Miami. We've seen this many times before. Um, and so – I just think there's a level of comfortability with the Knicks going down there that is not like going into someone like it wasn't like, let's say they're going to play Boston on the road. You go to play Boston on the road for a game three or you're starting a series there. You're going to feel the hostility of the crowd. You'll feel it in Philly. Miami, no disrespect to you guys. It's just not the same energy. And there's a lot of Knicks fans down there. So, you know, I think it's I think the Knicks are going to try to get one down there in MSG South. I expect the energy to be good. The key thing for me to watch is role players usually don't shoot as well on the road. And the Knicks need quickly and Grimes, you mentioned this before, to really get it going. I'd like to see the one or both of them get it going. I think that'll be nice. I have a feeling a good game's coming from quickly soon. I thought it would be last night, but uh, I have a feeling a good one might be coming for him on Saturday. I, I think quickly rises to the occasion on Saturday. If quickly gives us even 15 to 20 points, it's a blowout. It's a blowout. You feel, you feel good about that, yeah. I, I, I just feel like if you look at the differences in terms of like the free throw shooting, first of all, you miss your free throws, you're leaving points at the line. It doesn't mm-hmm. help you. If you hit your free throws yep. and you have IQ giving you even 15 points, that's a blowout. You could blow a team out by that. If you look at the margins that we did already, just based off of shots attempted, who was shooting, where we were at, who was in the game. When Emmanuel quickly is out there, he needs to deliver. And if he delivers like we saw during the regular season, this Knicks team legitimately could be competition for everybody because this team is not somebody you can shoo away quickly and just sweep them. You're going to have to feel the physicality each and every game. After you play the Knicks, you're going to know you played the Knicks. I think that's one of the biggest things that's a difference with this Knicks team. I want to bring another 
one of the biggest keys for me going into the series was mm-hmm. the play of one man. Some call him Star J. Some call him <laughs> Rowan when he's when he's not doing so well. I like to call him Mr. RJ Barrett. He has been a force since game three against yep. the Cleveland Cavaliers. Something snapped and it has not snapped back. And I hope it doesn't because he has been on a tear, not only with the shot selection, which has been very smart, but in terms of his efficiency, which has been up and down all season, he has locked it in at the right time when the games absolutely matter. What do you think about the homegrown talent, third overall draft pick, only draft pick I think right now that's in in terms of the top 10 that is available to play in the playoffs? What do you feel about uh, R.J. Barrett and his current play in the playoffs? I think that Knicks fans gave R.J. a hard time this year, and rightfully so. His play was up and down. But I think that Knicks fans should understand, I think it's for basketball fans as well, all development is not linear. I think we like to see it go up this way. You know, for people who are listening, you can see my hands going up, going straight up. Or, you know, but sometimes it's going straight and there's a dip and then it's ups and downs. There's a lot of people that are going to still sit and listen to this and hear us talk, Troy, and say, well, you know what? I need to see him do that for a whole season. And shout out, shout out to a friend of mine, Fred, who's been saying that. He's like, I need to see him do this for the whole season. I think it matters what he's doing. RJ's first two games against the Cavaliers, he stunk. Flat out stunk. Everybody wanted him out of here. Everybody I was talking to. I don't think RJ's going to make it back. The Knicks are going to have to trade him in the offseason. And I couldn't blame him after the season he had and what he did that. But what matters in life, it matters in basketball, any sport, it's about how you bounce back. What matters even more is how do you bounce back when it matters the most? And he's done this in the playoffs. This is five straight, solid, efficient games. You talked about the shot selection, which has looked really good from RJ, right? He st- I even saw uh, yesterday, yesterday in uh, Sunday, game two, he had a little floater. And I, that's something I've been talking about. I was talking to my boy about if he gets this floater going, that's going to really open up his game. The thing I'm looking at him right now when he plays more than what I saw even a month ago or six weeks ago, it's confidence. He looks like he knows what he wants to do, how he wants to get to his spots. He's attacking and finishing a lot better. You see that translating to the outside shot because that's a really key thing with RJ. We always knew he could attack. He can get to the line. Still wanted to see him finish a little bit better, but it was could the outside shot be consistent. Right now he's hitting the outside shot. A couple of times he shot it in game two. I felt like it was going in. Development is not linear. And I really wonder if him being, if you want to call this his low point, was after game two in the Cavaliers. Now he's risen from that, and he's doing it in the playoffs. I think his confidence level is high, and I think that what he's doing here in the playoffs can take him to another level because when it comes to the next season, Troy, he can sit there and say, hey, you know what? I can do this. I've done this in a big spot. I've done this when it really counted. I've done this in front of MSG when it's rocking. So he's been – listen, RJ was the X factor. If he steps up as a third scorer, which he's done in the last – Five games, as I said, it's a tremendous boost for the Knicks. Right now, he's playing like a very good player. I think Knicks fans hope that it's consistent and he can take it to another level. I still think RJ can take it to another level. And I think sometimes this is why you got to let the kids develop. You can't rush everything. We want everything instantly, instantly, instantly. And maybe now we're seeing in RJ in his year number four in the playoffs, he's finally putting it together. 
And look, he's doing it when it counts. And to me, that meant, that means a lot. It means a lot. Am I 100% sold? No. <laughs> he still probably needs to do a little bit more. But I think I do think his confidence is boosted. I'm really intrigued to see where it goes from here. Um, because what this told you thus far is it wasn't just a fluke in the Cleveland series. He's mm-hmm. done it also two games against Miami. He did it on the road in the Cleveland in the Cleveland series. That was also impressive to me, what he did in game five. Uh, and, you know, we'll see what he does on the road in Miami. You know, R.J. Barrett, I, I always mention this about him because – Look at how he came into the league. Supposed to be a number one, turned into a number two. Played a number two for a few years and then was asked to say, hey, listen, I need you to develop and I also need you to sacrifice. Now, instead of being the second best player, you're now the third best player. And oh, yeah, keep your efficiency up. Keep your shot selection up, even though you're playing with, you know, two ball dominant uh, players in Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson. That's how they make their money. And that's great. I love what they do as well. And I think they also know how to pass. I mean, Julius Randle with his assist yesterday, same thing with Jalen Brunson. They know when to pass and when to score. So I think it's a different dichotomy with that duo. RJ Barrett had to separate himself from that in a way and say, all right, I know these two are the primary scorers. I know people think it's supposed to be my time to do it but I need to make a sacrifice for the team. I think he's done that. I think it affected his game heavily because it's hard to sacrifice and develop at the same time. They don't go together. So to do that as a young player is hard. I think that's something that a lot of fans overlook as if you're supposed to just click with an all-star or an all-NBA player. It doesn't work like that. Miami went all the way to the finals when they had the, the, the biggest big three that we've seen in the modern age and lost to Dallas. It does Mm -hmm. not work just because you will it to work. You need time and chemistry. I heard a famous line one time. I forget what basketball player said it, but time put in is undefeated. Mm -hmm. Time put in is undefeated. If you put the work in, good things will come. And I think we're seeing that from R.J. Barrett now. And I argue we could potentially see this for the rest of the playoffs. And fans who are listening or watching, if R.J. Barrett does this for the entire playoffs, please. Take the men in black little control out of your pocket, (laughs) put it to the mirror, and forget the regular season. Because that's what I'm going to do. Because if he comes up big in the playoffs, the regular season was a dream. In my head, it's a dream. I don't care about that because he just did it on the biggest stage where I wanted him to. If you're still – yeah, I I said this to somebody. If you're still hung up on what he did in the regular season, this man delivers time and time again in the playoffs, nobody cares. No, nobody nobody cares at all because right you can't have it both ways you can't talk about playoff jimmy maybe there's playoff rj and if it's like that oh well you would you would sign for this person to deliver in the playoffs more than the regular season time and time again so if that's what it is you know i think it'll translate into something different and i think you bring up a really good point troy that people overlook i'm with you 110 percent on this people overlook the adjustments the sacrifices he's had to make i think and that takes time you're right in gelling with the team and maybe the time is now. But all things I've heard about R.J. Barrett uh, and the Knicks believe in it, people around the Knicks, people close to and cover the Knicks, is that he's a hard worker. He works his behind off. And, you know, maybe now you're seeing the fruits of his labor. Things click for guys at different times. And, you know, the Knicks might the – Knicks, you know, we're always thinking about what the Knicks should do next. And it's like maybe the guy they need is here. And we just, you know, it's just you got to be patient with it. Time, time, yeah. and, time and effort is undefeated. You're right about that. 
absolutely is. And I think we need to be a little bit more understanding when it comes to RJ Barrett in that regard. I know it's a New York thing to kind of jump on the guys that aren't doing well just because we're New Yorkers and we want to be very focused and engaged and whatnot. We also have a little bit of understanding as well, too. We have to understand when the passion, the work is there. He could be doing Zion Williams stuff right now. He could be doing John Morant stuff right now. He could be doing things that we would have other issues with right now. He's been mm -hmm. stoic. He's been calm. He's been collected. He's done exactly what they've asked him to do. Never complained. And when the lights are on, the brightest has delivered. What else do you want from your rookie when things aren't going well? I would love to know that because I don't even have an answer for it. Leave <laughs> RJ Barrett alone, okay? Leave him alone. Let him keep thriving because I can't wait to see it in Miami. Um, you kind of answered the next question that I had in regards to their X Factor. I believe you said Manuel quickly for this series would be that particular X Factor. And RJ Barrett obviously was the X Factor coming into the playoffs. Looking at the Heat, though, mm -hmm. besides Jimmy, who's mm -hmm. their X Factor? I mean, I think I think if Bam Adebayo is playing really well for them, yeah. and gives them a little bit more offense, that's where they're dangerous. They need him to be better on offense. You know, last night after game two, he said that he, you know, he said the loss was on him and he didn't play particularly well. Um, he does provide a tough matchup for Mitch. You see how Hartenstein has been better on the boards than Mitchell Robinson uh, already in this series. So that's an interesting thing to see how Thibs closes. But I think it really comes down to, to Bam Adebayo is a real X factor for them. Because even if you look at game two, they got some good output from their guards. Gabe Vincent, Struce, gave them some good stuff. But could they have gotten more inside? Now, the Knicks are good, defensively good and tough to score on inside. So that's a factor too. But I think that's the guy. I think if you're the Knicks, you want to contain him. Because if he goes off or he's going with Jimmy, then they have a good one-two punch. That makes him so much more difficult. It makes him harder to guard on the outside. The the other that's a player I mentioned. The other X factor to me when it comes to the Heat is really how good are they going to shoot the three? This is a team that was in the bottom third of the NBA in shooting the three. They have shot the ball terrifically in the playoffs. At some point, you have to think that's going to regress to the mean. They're not going to be able to keep this up. Uh, and so that's another X factor to me when they're shooting the three as well as they have in the playoffs. That makes them harder to beat. I mean, this is the reason they were close and hanging around in game two, leading for most of game two, honestly. So two X factors, how they can shoot the ball and also Bam Adebayo and how he plays. If he's giving them a little bit more juice on offense, which I've been critical of him in his game, if he gives them a little bit more juice on offense, then they're going to be very tough to beat. And if they're hitting their threes, they're also going to be tough to beat. You see, the Bam thing is a very interesting thing because think about this. No Jimmy Butler, yep. game two. We're talking more about Gabe Vincent than we're talking about Bam. Mm. That's a problem. If you couldn't find your all-star presence when another all-star is missing, it's time that you need to show up, and then you have an undrafted player outplay and outshow what he can do in the playoffs. I mean, Gabe Vincent Rose's stock to the ceiling, in my mm -hmm. opinion, yesterday, while we have Bam who's progressively put his stock value in the gutter. And I know he had a great uh, game. I think he had a triple-double the last game that he played against the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, Bucks right? Mm -hmm. Which is great. Awesome. I love triple-doubles. I love to see him. I look at impact more than I look at numbers sometimes because your impact when you play with a player matters. His impact with this Heat team 
as a team has gotten so low that I wonder to myself, if Jimmy doesn't have it or is in foul trouble, you have to hope that somebody has it for shooting. Because to your point, kind of like bad shooting, bad shooting is not going to stay there forever. You're obviously going to come up. And good shooting is not going to stay there forever. You're going to come down. I like that the Knicks have been winning and in games shooting poorly, but they have now gone into games. And mm-hmm. even though they're shooting poorly, if they're going to get better, that's more points, more buckets, a bigger margin of victory for them, in my opinion, if they're going to shoot better and the Heat aren't. So I definitely agree with that. I do think the Knicks are going to shoot better. We're going to see it in the playoffs. Um, but I want to move away from the, the Knicks and Heat for a short second. And yeah. I kind of want to go over to the two players that you have right over there behind you, uh, Joel Embiid. Joel oh, and, and Jason Tatum. And Jason Tatum, yeah. So Boston versus uh, the Sixers. Yep. Whoever wins that series, and if the Knicks beat the Heat, that's the next opponent. Who wins that series and why? I still – I picked Boston uh, to win the series. No, they lost game one. And at the time of recording this, it's funny. I'm talking to you. I was trying to see what the what the <laughs> score was uh, for game two. Okay, and I see the I see the Celtics are up a little bit. I expected the Celtics bounce back. Hopefully, this holds before this this episode drops. But I expect the Celtics <laughs> to bounce back with a game two win. I still think the Celtics uh, will win. I I think they're the better team. I think they're deeper. Um, I think they've been on a mission all year, even though they didn't play as good as I thought they could at the end of the season, but I do think the Celtics are the better, deeper team. The, mm. the key in this is, look, the Sixers stole the first game. How does Embiid look? How is he for the rest of the series? Um, if so, he's dangerous. He's the best player in the series. But I just think the Celtics defensively, this team is this core has been together for a while. I like how deep they are. They've been scoring. Um, I think they're a really good team. I think the Celtics figure out a way to advance to the conference finals and knock off the Sixers. You know, it's funny. I would have said that if they didn't lose game one. But mm. I feel like as they lost game one, Joel Embiid is back for game two. Figure that he plays the same amount and wins and he wins this game. Um, if this, if they go back, if they go back to Philly. Yeah. And they are up 2-0. Boston is not winning. Boston cannot go. I don't care how good Boston is. Boston is not going to win a series against the Sixers if he if they feel like they can go down 2-0 and beat them. They're not doing it. I already take them. I take a peg off of them because they lost game one because that's how good those two teams are. Joel Embiid is a seven-foot point guard. There's no other way to describe this man in terms of what he does. He's not the only thing that's going to help. James Harden's a big part. But if you have him... You could throw Robert Williams, Al Horford, Jason Tatum, throw the entire yeah. bench at him. You're not stopping Joel Embiid. So for me, a healthy Joel Embiid, and they won game one, I'll take the yeah. Sixers in six, actually. You know, Sixers in six. Yeah. I, it's funny. It's funny, though. I will say, if if the if they go back to Philly up 2 I'm with you. I'm with you. It's a wrap, right? Like, I don't see... I don't see Boston winning four out of five. Like, do they have the talents to do it? Yes, but it's just so hard. And I can't see Joel Embiid with the first with his chance to get to his first trip to the conference finals. I don't see that. Um, I don't see him allowing that to happen. 
Uh, Boston, it's you know, as we're recording this in the middle of the game too, but it's a must win for them. I think if they do, I always thought that series was going long anyway. I thought it was going six or seven. Um, so that's it. But I, I picked Boston to win. Um, Embiid, this is an interesting series for Embiid. I'm glad we're talking about this because I've thought about it. This is, you know, I just said it as, and I was thinking about it as I, even though I picked Boston, he hasn't been to the conference finals, Troy. He wants it. He wanted this MVP really badly. He does not have a signature playoff really moment or series. And B just does not have that in his career. This is kind of that opportunity for him um, to do so. You know, you hope that he's healthy. I like, I, I love him. He's one of my favorite players in the league to watch. Um, but you wonder if how he much he relishes this moment. And I think that's going to be the interesting thing to see in the series. Does indeed have the want to more to get his team to the conference finals. Uh, we know he's very hungry for that MVP trophy, and now he has this at stake. So it's going to be interesting to see. But he's got to be healthy. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. That's always been the question with Embiid. He had to be healthy. He has to be healthy. When healthy, he's probably the most dominant big man in yeah, terms yeah. of uh, there's, nobody you can, there's nobody who can hold a candle to what he does. He is just yeah. that good. Maybe when Bayama, when he gets into the league, will be able to be a better offensive player. But the right. body that Joel Embiid has – and the ability nah. to move it at that level, I don't think we're, we're going to be lucky if we see another talent like that in the next 10, 20 years. He's yeah. that good. He's that. And I think people have to understand. So when I ask you this question, <laughs> uh-huh. this is this is kind of where that comes into play. If the Knicks do advance, who do you want them to face and why? So it's funny. If they do advance, I actually think that Boston is a better matchup for them than Philly. I think it's a, I think it's, yeah, I think Boston's a much better matchup. I think, you know, Boston's a, while they have a good defensive team, the Knicks played them well this year. They're very physical. Um, I think Embiid hurts them inside a lot and makes it a little bit tougher matchup for the Knicks. I don't think the Knicks, Robinson or Hardside have any answer for Embiid. I mean, not many people have answers for Embiid. So there's no, there's no shame in that. But I think Boston, because they play a little bit smaller. Um, they space it out a bit. I think the Knicks could be competitive in that series with them. Um, I wouldn't pick the Knicks to win against the Celtics, if I'm just being honest. So I was really looking at it. I'd be rooting for them to win, but I wouldn't pick them. But I think they could give the Celtics a little more trouble. That I wouldn't shock me if the Knicks played the Celtics and went to – well, I think it would at least go to six. It wouldn't shock me if it went to seven, to be honest. I think it's actually a good matchup for the Knicks. You know, you look at the last time they played the Celtics in Boston, quickly had that huge game. Um, the Knicks played extremely well, and yeah, I think they match up better against the Celtics and the Sixers. But let's, but look, even if the, the Knicks get, even if the Knicks get to the next round, they play the Celtics and the Sixers. I will say this to Knicks fans: enjoy the ride, man. Just enjoy the ride, enjoy it. The Knicks haven't been in the conference finals since 1999. They have a shot to do that. Just enjoy it. So, I actually think it's funny. I think the we Celtics- agree, we disagree. Yeah, a little disagreement okay. there. I think that the Celtics are the worst matchup for the Knicks, and here's why, oh. and my opinion. I think that the shooting that they provide hurts the Knicks to the craziest level. And here's the biggest thing. Celtics are a big corner three shooting team. They, they always free up the corners for these role players or these other guys to get in and get hot. And Jalen and Jason – or uh, yeah, Jalen and Jason – these two, these two and what they can do on offense 
and what they do to defenses cannot be understated. If you collapse on one, the other is open. If they both are going, the whole freaking perimeter is probably open. And the Knicks, especially what we've seen with the Heat series, have a problem closing out on those corner shooters. They run to them, but it's hard. It's easier when you defend somebody with a hand in your face already versus a hand that's roaming to your face. So the Knicks have a hard time guarding that, and they have shooters that'll make it hurt, which makes it better for the penetrators because if you have the defense honest on the corner sh shots and they have to stick with their man, you have paint open all day for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to go off. So for me personally, that's the difficulty. If you go to Sixers, that Sixers route, you're, yeah, you have Embiid to deal with, and he's a low, don't get me wrong. But I'm not too worried about Tyrese Maxey. I'm not too worried about James Harden, who's been a playoff disaster when it comes to later rounds, although I'll give him that when well it's, game one. Yeah, and it's it's when he's his own team, when his his own team, I feel like there's a lot of pressure. He's a sixer mm -hmm. now, but it's not his team. Not his team, right. And the same the pressure that were on him in Houston and to an extent with the Nets are not here. It's all on Joel, it seems like, which is crazy to me. But it seems to be all on Joel because I feel like Philly has, ex has accepted that they have Harden, who's not the same player he was a couple years ago, but is still a player that can contribute, that can pass, that can score, and they can do all these things. But they're not expecting him to go off. And I think that trade-off within the fans and him have made this matchup and this, this, this cold unity between everybody work. So for me, that's why I think I would go the Sixers route versus the Celtics right what do you what do you think about that no nah, it's I hear you I think what scares me is if let's say the Sixers get past the Celtics which you predicted and let's say they play the Knicks I, the, for the exact reasons I talked about the the Harden and Sixers getting past Celtics if Embiid not Harden I mean if Embiid gets there man he's gonna be hungry he's not He's not letting this go if Embiid gets there. I, I just I just don't see it. Like if Embiid gets there, but he, but see, he's not yeah. gonna be healthy though, Dex. He's just not because he's gonna play. He's gonna play to an extent where he's comfortable. But see, given that's that, the thing. Yeah, that, no, you, you're right. You're right. And you know, I'm taking that and assuming like he's healthy. You can't assume health in anything. Yeah. Um, with somebody's been injured and coming back, what he's coming back with the knee discomfort. You know, yeah. how healthy is he really matters a lot. I, the my thing with the Knicks is the Knicks have struggled to, to cover the three and with three point shooters and you got to chase those guys off the line with Boston and yeah. Boston's well experienced and deep and everything too. Boston doesn't have the same size. I think the Knicks can play them a little bit physical. The, where the Knicks have the advantage in that series is Brunson can cause havoc for them and Randall. They don't really have you know they're switchy, but you you're gonna put it depends on how they start. You're gonna start Horford. Him on Randall. Randall's shown he can give him buckets. Uh, Bruss can get him buckets. The key thing is, like you said, the Knicks are better than they were in the beginning of the year because they now could throw Hart and Grimes at you on defense. But, again, that shouldn't give anybody confidence. They're not going to stop Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. <laughs> right, right? right? That's not that's not going to stop them. No. But I don't know. I like that matchup. I think the New York-Boston thing, I think the crowds will get really pumped up into it. Oh, yeah, they for played, sure. They've played some good games against the Celtics the last couple of years. I, I think they know him very well. I, I it wouldn't shock me, man, if the Knicks played him good. But I hear your points on 
your concerns with them as opposed to the Sixers. I think you feel it's easier for the Knicks to slow down Harden, which I do think is a fair point, yeah. even if you're going to let Embiid go off and get his. Maxi does scare me a little bit. Not, I'm not, I don't fear him <laughs> the way you would a Jalen Brown or Jason Taylor. Right. I'm with you on that. But he's a good player. Now, after that is where I was like your point, too. The Sixers have some good role players that know their roles. You know, Georges Niang, D'Anthony Melton, uh, Tobias Harris, when he wants to play, uh, yeah. can do that well, too. So some guys that know their role. Sometimes those guys can be dangerous, but we'll see. Look, man, if, I don't care. If the Knicks get to the conference <laughs> finals, if the Knicks get to the conference finals, mm-hmm. it's going to be exciting. It's exciting times for me. It's exciting times in New York. Bring on whoever. You know, no, the Knicks will play the Monstars in the conference finals. I'll be happy. Let's, let's go. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm 100% with you, man. I'm, like, listen, I haven't been this happy like we talked about in 10 years. So I'm kind of, in a weird way, don't know what to feel right now. Uh, right. I'm kind of waiting to see what the next feeling is going to be, actually. So you'll know when I do, I probably think. Uh, <laughs> we'll but let, we'll let, know let, soon. Let, let's talk about this um, real quick. I know you have to go, and I really appreciate you giving us so much time all, time, all those things. Uh, yeah. We know where the Knicks are right now i said it before the playoffs started that if they got to the second round it was almost impossible for me not seeing them trade for a star this offseason regardless of what happens Mm. they've now made it to the second round maybe they can make it to the eastern conference finals what do you think if they make it only here right and their season ends god forbid but the season ends here what happens this offseason? Do you see the Knicks making a swing for that next disgruntled, let's say, star? The, yes, the talk will be there. It'll be talked about through the organization. I'm very confident of this. The key is who is that star? And I, I've talked about this. I talked about this in the middle of the season, before let this season started. Who's that star? I'm going to say this. If you're a Knicks fan and you're a real Knicks fan and a lot of Knicks fans are smart out there, I don't want to hear the talk about Carl Anthony Towns. I don't want to hear about Zach Levine. No shade to those guys. I know they're former Timberwolves, played under Coach Thibodeau, but let's be real here. That's not it. So who is the disgruntled star? Because you really got to think about that. Who's the disgruntled star? And I can't necessarily come up with one, right? Can I throw one at you, Dex? Oh, please throw one at me, Troy, because I, I want to hear who you have to say. Go ahead. We just talked about him, Joel Embiid. If they don't win this yeah. year, and Harden has been rumored to want to go to Houston. Back to Houston. And, and that happens. Does Joel Embiid stick around for another rebuild? To your point. And this is why it's hard to evaluate and talk about this stuff right now. To, to I, I want people to be clear about what you're saying there too, because when you talk about this stuff with the playoffs, a lot the way the NBA is right now, Troy, a lot of this stuff matters is what happens in the playoffs, who gets bounced, who doesn't make it past where. A lot of that stuff matters, right? And who I don't think we've had the star yet. And that's why Embiid's name is a great one that you brought up. We don't have we haven't had the star yet that's been bounced in the playoffs that we're like. What's next for them? We know John Morant's not going anywhere in Memphis, right? Or Jaron Jackson Jr., any of those guys. They're not going anywhere. Think about some of the other teams that got bounced, right? Um, 
well, who knows with the Clippers? The Clippers are another team that are crossroads. Are is it Paul George? Is it Kawhi Leonard? Uh, not Kawhi Leonard. He's hurt. Those guys can't stay healthy, and B can't stay healthy here. Now, if you're the, do the Sixers want to trade him in the division? I don't know. Could the Knicks use a Joel Embiid? Would I like to see a big man at the Garden again, a la Patrick Ewing, roam in the middle, the most dominant big man in the league, as you just called him? Yes, I would. Yes, I would, because he's that bona fide star. He's the kind of guy you put with a Brunson and a Randall, and you're really cooking with grease. I, I'm not sure there's another guy. You know, I mean, I could, like I said, I mentioned Paul George with the with the Clippers, and I do think if Paul George was healthy and you put him on the Knicks, he's the per, he's that perfect kind of guy that could play the three a little bit of the four. He's got some size, can rebound, can score. I think most people say Paul George is better suited as a two, number two. He's probably the, the best 1A option. Or if you look at Anthony Davis, those both in the league. So he's not really that. He's not like an Embiid, but he's a notch below that. But, yeah, I mean, after, other than Embiid, who are we talking about? Like, There's really nobody else. I mean, even, no. and even, if, the, even if you talk about different players, we could think about different players. But I don't want to mortgage my roster for those players. They're good players. Like, OG's a great player. Don't yep. want to mortgage my roster for an OG. Zach Levine, great player. Don't want to mortgage my roster for an aging Zach Levine. You got to remember as well, to age matters. Trajectory matters. If you're adding a talent, they need to be either going into their prime, in their prime. It has to be something like that. They have to be able to add a benefit to the team, not work their way into becoming a benefit for the team. the team. Yeah. I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw a guy at you that I think Knicks fans should keep their eye on. You gotta keep your eye on what's going on with this. And I, I think it's I don't think it's crazy. It might not come this year, but it's the Knicks, I think will be linked. You gotta keep your eye, you gotta keep your eye on what's going on in Dallas with Luka Doncic. Um that is not that is a very tenuous situation. Um yeah. I think I'm a fan of Lucas. I think Lucas is great. He just says things he needs to get better on in terms yeah. of staying in shape and being better on defensive end. But I, who knows what's going on down there? Is Kyrie going to come back? They don't really have a lot of flexibility. They need mm-hmm. picks. They may need picks to rebuild. Uh, maybe you get Luca and Brunson back together again. Get the band back together again, and you know we'll see. But I think that's another one to keep an eye on. I just, there's just not that, that many stars that are that good. That one out. And I think what I have a fear of is that the Knicks might settle for one of those lesser stars yeah. that we talked about that's not really the star, trying to get the star. You know they're not that guy. They can't do that. You can't go get the guy that's not that guy. You have a good core of young players. Brunson is a fantastic player, but I still think he's probably better suited if he's the second best player on your team yep. and yep. Randall's the third. But And I love Brunson. Uh, I think you pair Brunson with another elite guy, and you're really cooking. Um, I really, I mean, he made a Western Conference Finals with Luka Doncic, and I know they had other pieces and stuff around there. But right. I, I do, I, I think the Knicks can't rush this. If the guy's not there to get this summer, don't force it. I think Knicks fans are going to be impatient. There's some fans are going to go into this summer and say they got to get a star. They have to get a star. Well, sometimes the star is not there to get. Sometimes yeah. the trades are the ones you don't make. Don't rush to make a trade just to make a trade. Donovan Mitchell could have been that star at the right price. I don't mm-hmm. think I think the Knicks weren't willing to overpay and I still think there was the right decision for them to do that. You did he's somebody you think about. 
you don't think about overpaying a car Anthony Towns. Case in point, you don't want to be the Minnesota Timberwolves, Knicks fans. Ooh. You don't want to overpay for Rudy Gobert. Everybody knows that trade was bad. <laughs> I yeah. knew that trade was bad, Troy, when it went down. Okay? Yeah. Look, overpay can set your franchise back terribly yeah. if you don't do it the right way. And Knicks fans, to me, if you want to be honest, you don't have to look further than the Knicks. I, I love Melo, love the Melo dip here. The Knicks gave up a lot for Melo and gut, gutted their roster, and they never were really able to build a team the way they wanted to around him outside yep. of the 2012-2013 season. So it's getting a star, I think, when you look at where this team is at and the nucleus is important and I think necessary. Doesn't it doesn't have to happen this year, right? And I, you know, and go for the right star. What I will say, and I think this front office deserves a little more credit is they have been patient. They have not run things like the Knicks front offices have done in the past. This has been patience and development and waiting. And I think when the right move is there for them to make, I think hope they will make it. But I don't want to see them make a move for just move's sake. And I think that's where the Knicks fan has to be has to calm down a bit. Understand where this team is. They had a good run. See if there's some internal development build on that. You want to try to add that star, but don't don't make the move just to make the moves and bring in a Carl Anthony Downs or Zach Levine because oh. I just think those guys. A, I don't think they'll be able to do it in New York, and I just I just don't think they're it. They're not those dudes. So I say no to that. So it's funny. I was talking about Leon Rose with a friend of mine earlier, and yeah. I told him that Leon Rose has made it his business to draw a line in the sand. There's mm. always such a thing as called Knicks tax. When you deal with the Knicks, you mm -hmm. are expected anyways for the Knicks to give a little bit more than other teams, a la Knicks tax. What Leon Rose has smartly done, I think, is he said, okay, you want our players. Here's what I want. And if you're not willing to give that to me, that's fine. We're just not going to deal. He's done it with Donovan. He, he was rumored with you know Levine for quite some time. I believe he did it with Levine as well, too. He has a chance to pull these quote-unquote lesser star deals mm -hmm. to get a quote-unquote type of star in the garden, but said no because it doesn't fully benefit the team. The scale doesn't weigh so much in the favor of the Knicks. And I think he looks at that and says to himself, you know what, this is exactly what I need to do in order to make the Knicks better. And if it doesn't answer that question, I'm just going to look away from it. He's done that for the, his entire run, I would say. There are a couple of bad things you can look at. The Cam Reddish situation kind of being one of the biggest blunders there, paying Kemba uh, additional money for years. Also another issue you can look at too, but he didn't know that initially when he made the deal. So, you know, there's things to look at. What do you give in terms of a grade to Leon Rose for what he's done really this trade deadline and this season oh for this season yeah i for this season i'd give him a b plus yeah uh because yeah. here's what you got to look at you got to look at what they came off for last season right mm -hmm. and, and you know, i might i might be willing to bump that up to an a minus actually because yeah. the brunson signing was tremendous i don't care if they got hit with the tampering charge and eh, to the second round pick whatever it's a cost of business um, and everybody tampers. We know this. Um, that's a tremendous move. You gotta also acknowledge what they did in the offseason. They bring back, they bring back Mitchell Robinson, right? On on a good contract, and he's been really good. It's probably been his healthiest season. I know Mitch always has some injury. He had the, the 
whatever it was, 14, 15 games that he missed in the middle of the season. But outside of that, he's been really good. His best defensive year hasn't been fouling. Okay, you got that. You also, uh, a good signing, Isaiah Hartenstein. Uh, I wasn't thrilled with his play in the middle of the season, but he really turned it around. He's been really good um, as well, too. Signing R.J. Barrett to the extension that, depending on how he plays here in the playoffs, now starts to look really good again uh, that he signed him to when the Donovan Mitchell trade did not go through. Also, I think it counts in terms of my evaluation, not overpaying and giving up Donovan Mitchell and trusting the process. But, you know, probably his second best acquisition after signing Jalen Brunson this year is obviously getting off the Cam Cam Reddish deal, which was a bad deal. We can call it what it is. And getting Josh Hart. I love that trade the minute they did it. Uh, I thought it was a great trade. It's showing that it's showing dividends now. This guy plays hard. He plays exactly into what Knicks fans love historically. It's a great deal. Yeah, I'm going to go with A- minus for Leon Rose because this has been his best year at the job. Stayed patient. Um, it seemed like now the coaching staff and the front office are somewhat in lock and in sync. Uh, you saw younger dudes play. You also got to give Tibbs credit for going to a nine-man rotation, playing a lot of the younger players, and you're seeing the fruits of the labor of that. So it seems like everybody's in sync. But Leon Rose did a great job, great job this year. Um, I think he would probably would have been a higher candidate for executive of the year. But you know, we had to go to you know the, the Kings GM. The Lakers did a fantastic job um, as well to what they did at the trade deadline. But when you look at the entire body of work for the year and what he did, you know, good signings that have all hit uh, and re-signings, and then a trade, which was a fantastic trade um, for a guy that's playing, paying dividends into the in the playoffs. And then you look at it and you also say, well, the other thing too is some of the Knicks assets, Troy, that they had last season that people were like, ah, oh, I don't know what quickly is. I don't know what his value is. Well, the value quickly has now gone up. If you wanted to even talk about him as a trade asset, I think the Knicks will re-sign him. And Hart, you know, he's re-signed. You have players that people would want. That's what you want in your roster. Even Obi and what he's been able to show in the minutes when Randall's been out, you see his value. Um, so, yeah, you know, you also got to talk about the drafting. Grimes, another good draft pick. There's a second-year player that's come and played very well um, that the team is very high on. So the drafting has been actually good in lower picks, 25, 25th pick for quickly and Grimes back-to-back -back years. Um, I know Toppin hasn't been what people would like him to be or the minutes he's got. RJ, maybe we'll see what he is. Maybe he's finally turning into what people thought he could be. So you got to factor all that in, too. But for this year, yeah, I'll give him an A. You don't want to go B plus, A minus. I think that's fair. Um, and I think he's I think he's done a good job and deserves a little bit more credit. But we just don't know because we never hear Leon Rose talk to the media. So we have no idea what he has to say, <laughs> what his plan is. And, you know, that's a whole other story. That's true. That's true. He does seem <laughs> very allergic to the media. But when we can look at it from a body of work, and even for this year, or you want to take the years combined, uh, for me this year, it's, it's a slam, slam dunk. He could yeah. not have nailed this year better than he has. Jalen Brunson, automatic A+. Plus. Josh Hart, mm -hmm. automatic A+. Plus. If Kevin Durant was not traded at the trade deadline, he would have been, Josh Hart that is, yep. the best trade deadline signing that any team has made. His impact has been that profound. It's ridiculous what he brings to the, the Knicks team. I've never seen... And I'm even including like KD in this. I've never seen a player fit so seamlessly with a team before Josh Hart. He was every answer that the Knicks needed. He, they made that stroke of genius 
by trading away that first round pick to get him. And what a difference a little bit of heart can give you because <laughs> it just the uh, the fit is ridiculous. Hart has been one of the best players on the floor when he's there. Almost having a, he almost had a triple double last game. He flirts with that triple double number for a lot of times. He's just a hustler, a good player, and has high basketball IQ more than most people will give him credit for. Leon, if you're listening, you get an A. You have done yourself a job. Go get yourself some more players if you feel like the price is right, of course. Uh, but other than that, um, listen, Dex, we had a great conversation. Yeah, really man. a lot of stuff to, to discuss and break down. You stuck around for all of it. I can only say thank you. I'm humbled, honored. It's a privilege to talk to people like you, like Zach Brazilla, my good friend, Ian Bakley, some of the greats, because you guys are on the field. You guys do it. You guys do things that I dream I could be doing. So hopefully one day I'll join you on those stages too. Nah, man, you will because I, I say this. I say this every time I come on shows with Nick's independent creators. You know, um, it's important that we support it. Uh, I'm from that same cloth. I started a lot doing all my own stuff in my career, so I have a lot of great support for the people that are doing high quality work, like yourself, some of the other Nick content creators out there. So you know, we're we're all part of a, um, a community of creating content and, and media. It doesn't matter if you're on a a mainstream platform or independent platform, you know, we're all part of that. We have to support each other. So I'm, I'm very, I'm always honored to do that. You reached out to me and asked me to come on. I'm always honored when I ask the people I know and who are doing good work. Uh, so my pleasure, man. I always come back and talk Knicks with you. Talking Knicks basketball is something I've liked to do for a long time since I was probably about seven or eight years old. So <laughs> I, I, I never have any problems talking Nick basketball man I could always come on and do that so I'm I'm honored you had me on man but we'll, we'll do it again you got a great show so keep it up keep up the good work keep grinding man and uh you know people gonna see what did you say earlier you said uh as long as you, it was a quote you said as long as people putting the hard work and the time that's undefeated and yeah work that putting is, is undefeated and work yeah. putting is undefeated that's a great quote because it's so true and uh you know you're you're proof of that too man so thank you Dex, I really appreciate that. It means a lot coming from you. I uh, will definitely have Dexter back on, especially if the Knicks continue to move uh, further in the series. We'll definitely have Dex back on. Catch Dex again. You can catch him on SNY, New York Post. He is every, If you just type his name in and then go to YouTube, you'll see about a litany of videos about many different sports, not only basketball, but baseball. There's so football. He does so many different sports. Please, if you haven't done it already, his at is on the screen and love and support is free. It doesn't cost you a thing and you never know who is looking. So please give my man a follow. I'm sure he's going to give you content that you love and deserve. Dex, again, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me and Dex. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and again, follow the two of us. It's free. All right. Until next time, Nick fans. Peace. Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday.